I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome back to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Uh, the season is 61 days away. Uh, when IU will kick off against Florida International September 1st down in Miami. Uh, so we're gearing up. Uh, once again, we'll be expanding our uh, coverage to nationwide. Uh, we just love college football. We want to look at other conferences as well as the Big Ten. So I think to get our feet wet into our national previews, we're going to start with the ACC and the SEC uh, this evening uh, with TJ Inman when he comes along. Uh, and we'll look at different things, most interesting teams, teams that could be sleepers, best uniforms, best place to tailgate, you know, places you want to go, uh, and then division winners. We'll do it in three episodes. Uh, today we're doing the ACC and SEC. Next week we'll do uh, Big 12 and Pac-12. And then uh, we'll do a group of five, I believe, in the ACC. We will be breaking down Notre Dame as well. Uh, and we'll get right into that. So uh, for Sammy Jacobs, I'm, uh, and here's uh, TJ Inman. TJ, almost football season. How are you doing? Yeah, we're uh, we're humming right along uh, already into July. So I know it's a great time for us to get rolling. Uh, some uh, positive IU football recruiting momentum uh, here in the past couple of weeks, and I. I have a gut feeling, uh, no inside info from me, but uh, it seems like IU's turning in the right direction with a couple of uh, their top targets, J.D. Duplain, uh offensive lineman, and then uh, Jordan Jakes, wide receiver. So maybe some additional commits coming soon, we hope. And uh, uh, But I, I know you're excited to get this going. ACC and SEC, I am as well. Uh, you know, definitely hitting a couple of the, the big, big comps here. Uh, to start things off. Yeah, and, and to talk about IU recruiting just a little bit, that nine recruit or nine commit uh, week happened while I was in Greece. CEO yeah. committed while I was at a wedding. So I think Tom Allen and his staff need to send me on more excursions. That way more kids will commit. I know. I think, I think we yeah. found a cause and effect. And Bo Robbins committed while I was in Las Vegas at a bachelor party. So – you know, a little cause and effect here. So if uh, Indiana wants to send me on another trip to get, you know, coincidentally get commits, I'm all for it. All right, TJ, back. Uh, let's get down to the ACC. Uh, just one note. 
best non-conference games for these two conferences today, it was really difficult to to pick one out. Um, yeah. There's just not a – wasn't a good slate that jumped off of there. Uh, but anyway, let's go to the ACC. What is, who is your most interesting team in the ACC? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a fairly stable conference, uh, which – for, for better or worse, I feel like the pecking order in this conference is kind of established right now. Uh, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room, in my opinion, um, from your haves and your have-nots. Now, uh, for me, the most interesting is a, a program that uh, could, you know, uh, upset the apple cart a little bit and return status, which they were not uh, separated from for very long, and that's Florida State. Uh, Jimbo Fisher... Yep left there after a disastrous season last year. Now, how much of that was the players kind of feeling like uh, Jimbo had one foot out the door, uh, so they checked out? And how much of that was a uh, talent drain? How much of that was um, locker room problems? Uh, who knows? Uh, you know, we're not Florida State insiders. We don't know. But uh, that team was a, a real mess last year. Uh, Willie Taggart has come in and, and changed a lot about that program. They're going to an up-tempo offense. Willie Taggart certainly relies on the running game, and they've got Cam Akers. Uh, there is a, um, a potential star uh, breakout player this season. Uh, kind of a rebuild on defense. Uh, they don't return a ton um, in terms of star power there. And then at cornerback, you've got a big question mark because of uh, uh, Francois' legal issues. Um, you know, so I, I think there's a lot there. Um, can they catch Clemson? Not this year. No, they cannot. Uh, but can they begin to lay the groundwork? Because he's recruiting really well. Taggart has surrounded himself. Uh, one, he's a Florida guy. And two, uh, he's surrounded himself with some really top-notch Florida recruiters uh, that I, I think are going to have Florida State from a talent, uh, talent, you know, um, I guess from a talent perspective, they'll be, I don't know how many years it'll take to get to where Clemson is, but it won't take long for Taggart to do it in that area. So I'm really interested to see if Florida State can establish the groundwork, get back to like an eight or nine win team and begin to set themselves up to catch Clemson. I know that Florida State fans really like Taggart right now, but Clemson's coming and Florida State fans are not going to accept second place uh that's not going to be good enough for them so how long does Taggart have to get it going yeah I, I picked the same team as you TJ and uh in mm-hmm. Florida State the coaching changed they had a lot of injuries last year the team that probably yeah. shouldn't have gone, gone to a bowl game last year they had to reschedule a, a, an FCS game I believe um just to get that that sixth win on the schedule, uh, and then beat ULM in whatever bowl they went to, the Independence Bowl. Um, sorry, not ULM. Beat uh, Southern Miss in the Independence Bowl. They they played ULM to get that sixth win. Uh, coaching changes are always a little tricky, even though, you know, at Florida State, how much of this, you know, as with Jimbo Fisher, how much of it was, did he have one foot out the door? You know, Taggart's coming in uh, from Oregon, runs a different kind of offense, likes to run the ball, um, likes to go mm-hmm. up tempo. But, 
you know, there's usually a year or two where you have to get your recruits in, uh, and maybe Florida State stumbled a little bit in in recruiting uh, last year um, and all that. But it, you know, it, it, they still had a, a you know a top 20 class or so, and, and they'll be okay. Uh, the big thing is is their schedule. They, they out of the shoot, they get Virginia Tech at home, uh, and then you play Sanford at Syracuse, Northern Illinois. Uh, the month of September is pretty – if you could get past Virginia T- Tech, who should be pretty decent, uh, you should um, get out of September all right. Uh, and, and then you host Clemson October 27th, and then things get a little tricky. You have to go to NC State. We'll talk about them here in a little bit. And then you have to go to Notre Dame uh, and, and those two yeah. games – that three-game stretch, October 27th, November 3rd, and November 10th, will determine uh, the fate of Florida State. You know, if you beat Clemson and NC State, now you're talking um, maybe a division title, an ACC title game berth, and maybe a berth in the playoffs or, or spoiling somebody's playoff trip uh, as well. And then, of course, Notre Dame at Notre Dame. That's a marquee matchup. Uh, TJ, let's mm-hmm. uh, move on to the next one. Uh, the, the best non-conference game, and I really yeah. can pick pick one. I, are we counting Notre Dame as an ACC conference team right. when doing non-con games? Because if so, then you could say Michigan and Notre Dame. Um, but if we're not, I, I think Florida State at Notre Dame, uh, and, and maybe Miami at. LSU at a neutral site to open the season. Those are the two that jump off of there. Yeah, Alabama plays Louisville, but I think Louisville is yeah. going to be down. Alabama, that's a game Alabama opens the season. They went 49-10, and it's just not a good game. Uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson's graduate just doesn't have that star power that it would have had a year or two ago. Uh, what is your best non-conference game in the ACC? Well, I think Notre Dame and uh, Michigan is, is a, a really good game. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I I chose between really only one jumped out to me, and that was Clemson at Texas A&M on September 8th. Uh, early season game where you got Jimbo Fisher. Uh, not sure what he has yet at A&M. Uh, so that's going to be a, a good barometer for that program. And then Clemson. Um, I mean, any time you have a team uh, that's a, a national title contender and a playoff favorite, it goes on the road against a competent opponent uh, that's going to – you're going to take their best shot. There's going to be a ton of energy around uh, around Texas A&M because it is their first big game under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, so that, that one for me is going to be really interesting. That's a somewhat difficult place to go play. I'm sure it's not going to rattle Clemson much, but – you know, maybe Trevor Lawrence gets on the field there and we see him in the, under the bright lights for the first time. Um, if not, though, you'll, you'll still get uh, Kelly Bryant. So uh, I, I think that that's a really interesting game because if Texas A&M can go out there and win that one, that's a huge feather in the SEC's cap. And for Clemson, it would take away their margin of error the rest of the year. Uh, and, and they'd turn into Aggie fans, really, because a loss there in week number two means, number one, they can't lose any more games likely if they're to get to the playoff. Uh, and number two, if A&M were to go on to have a you know average season, 
that might be enough to keep Clemson out of the playoff altogether. Probably not, but might be. Um, so I went with that one. Just, I mean, those are two programs that, you know, hardly ever play. I don't know when that last matchup was. And that should be a pretty cool atmosphere. I like that it's uh, actually on a college campus. That's that's much preferred for me over kind of the, the neutral site games you get usually early in the year between two big conferences. Yeah, I, I'm all for on-campus campus games. Yeah. Uh, it, it just It's uniquely college football. Am I okay with playing the national title game in a neutral site? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. It's great. But these in regular season games, big non-conference games, I think belong on campus. Get the students there. Yeah. It's just, you know, otherwise it's, it might as well just go to an NFL game um, in and around the stadium. So uh, next we have uh, – Best to form, uh, TJ, I went with Clemson. I believe I picked Clemson last mm-hmm. year. Well, it, it's the orange and purple. Uh, they do a yeah. really good job with paw print there as well. It's just a classic look. Yep, that's a, a runner-up for me. Uh, my winner, and uh, this would not have been the case with their old color scheme. I, I kind of hated it, but, uh, you know, make a minor tweak and then go back with an old look, and I'm going to go with Pitt. Uh, the Pitt Panthers, they, they broke out powder blue uniforms with these yellow pants. Uh, they have a script Pitt on the helmet, kind of a, a uh, I, I don't know what the shade of yellow is, but it's a nice yellow. Not I think it's a mustard. Carriage. It's mustard yellow. Okay. Well, uh, whatever it is, it looks good on a helmet. Uh, the mustard yellow helmet with their, uh, their powder blue script Pitt. Uh, I really like that look. Clemson is definitely a solid choice. Love their color combination as well. Um, the ACC has a really solid set of uniforms. There aren't aren't hardly any in there that I hate. Um, you know, I, I think Boston College has nice looking uniforms as well. Uh, Florida State combination as well. That uh, I don't think those are bad either. There's a couple that are kind of uh, questionable, like Syracuse throwing a lot of gray into their uniforms, which I don't understand, but. Uh, overall, Georgia Tech, group, Russell Athletic. Yeah, yeah, those are uh, a bit dated looking, but um, I, I do think – I think overall it's a pretty good conference for uniforms. Yeah, it is a very good conference for uniforms. Uh, next, go to game day atmosphere. Place you want to tailgate uh-huh. at the most. I think I'm going to double and go Clemson, uh, Death Valley. Uh-oh. They're, again – you know, playoff contender, national title contender. Um, so, you know, if, if I really got into it and, and we're breaking down the schedule, there's not really a game that I would want to go to Clemson for over other games. But just seeing Clemson being down there, maybe you go for a game against NC State. Uh, that would be a big game or, or Louisville, uh, things like that. Um that would be fun. Uh, just seeing them run down, the, um, you know, touch Howard's Rock, run down the hill onto the field, yep. and, and all that stuff. I had the same answer, and I, I think prop. I mean, it'd be pretty cool to see the November twenty fourth game against their rival South Carolina. Um, I know that the Gamecocks have not uh, necessarily held up their end of the bargain here recently, with as good as Clemson has been. But uh, that's still a good rivalry for that state. And uh, South Carolina is going to be, you know, pretty good this season. So 
uh, they could be playing, you know, a pair of top 25 teams there with Clemson, of course, having the college football playoff berth uh, still on the line. So, uh, but I, I would say Clemson, that's just an awesome atmosphere. Um, and, you know, you're probably going to have some pretty good weather. You're in South Carolina. So uh, I think that a conference game or a late season game there where it's not too unbearably hot would be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, we're going to go sleeper team next, TJ. Who is your sleeper uh-huh. team in the ACC for 2018? All right. Yeah, Boston College. Uh, I They return uh, nine starters, basically. So they, they lost their wide receivers on offense, but their wide receivers, not a huge part of the offense. And uh, the guys coming, coming in uh, to those new starting roles, young player, Kobe White, that uh, they, they like him as their best wide receiver. So I think that that's, the potential is there for the offense to be better than what it was a season ago. You've got a returning quarterback, Anthony Brown, but the guy that makes that offense tick is sophomore running back, uh, A.J. Dillon, ridiculously good player. Uh, he had over 1,500 yards last year, and that's with a slow start before they really turn the reins over to him to take things over. Uh, it's just a power smash-mouth football team there. The defense really good up front. Uh, Harold Landry is in the NFL now, but, I mean, he was hurt for the uh, latter part of last season, and the defense didn't really miss a beat. Uh, a lot of good players there. Special teams, uh, they're kind of weak in that area, but um, from a just a strictly power football standpoint, I really like that. do have a very interesting uh, September 22nd. They travel to Purdue. That's a really, really good non-conference game between two teams that are trying to punch their way up. Uh, Purdue certainly with the easier path to do so in the Big Ten West, while uh, Boston College stuck in kind of the uh, the powerhouse ACC Atlantic. Um, so they, you know, they do have to play at NC State. They're at Virginia Tech. They're at Florida State. They're against Clemson and Miami at home. So those, that's, I mean, that's a brutal brutal slate, but if you can go to, to Ross A, take that game against Purdue, which will certainly not be easy. That's going to be a good one. Uh, you could begin to look at seven or eight wins for Boston College, uh, which would be a really nice season for Steve Adazio, and I you know, I think that uh, he deserves that because they've had some tough breaks with injuries, unable to kind of break over that six-win barrier, um, but I think this year could be the year they do that. Yeah, and, and... Boston College, I have a couple friends who uh, went there, played there, uh, a friend who now coaches there, uh, and there's a lot of IU ties with Boston College, too. Steve Dazio, Justin Fry's the offensive line coach yeah. there. Uh, he played at IU and things like that. And then they're all, you know, they're, they're after the same type of player, too. Um, and, and they've uh-huh. been in a couple of rooting battles over the last couple of years. But um, as much as I dislike to be a Boston, I, I find a way to root for Boston yeah. College. Um, but anyway, my sleeper team is NC State. It's kind of a light sleeper team, um, like half awake, Ooh. half sleeping. Um, but the return, Ryan Finley, who's an outstanding quarterback, threw for over 3,000 yards last year. Uh, they have a freshman running back who is in for spring. He was a top 10 running back recruit, uh, according to Phil Steele. They're scheduled. They get Florida State at home. Uh, they and they get some matchup games at home. They 
do play West Virginia in a non-conference game, which is a sneaky good, uh, sneaky good non-conference game. But they open up um, their first five games are James Madison, Georgia State, uh, West Virginia at Marshall, uh, Virginia, which you should be able to get out of that okay. Uh, if they could pull an upset, maybe upset Florida State, they could throw a wrench uh, into this ACC uh, Atlantic or Coastal Division, whichever one they're in. Um, the uh, ACC, yeah, Atlantic Division, just just because of that, that they bring back um, some good guys on defense, too. They lose Bradley Chubb, but they bring back uh, Jarius Moorhead, who had 80 tackles last year. Uh, Jermaine Pratt at 69 tackles last year. Uh, they'll have to rebuild a little bit on defense, but that offense should should um, should be pretty good with with a uh, thousand yard receiver coming back and Kelvin Harmon. Uh, Jacoby Myers added another 727 yards. Stephen Lewis another 583 yards. Uh, they have a lot of weapons. Uh, on offense, and, and if that defense could could build uh, in the first two games, get their their sea legs under them, they they could be a dangerous team in the ACC. That that that's really interesting. You chose them because that that's my bus team. Um, and uh, now I I like NC State's quarterback. I think Finley's really good, and I like their wide receivers. Uh, I think that they might have the best wide receiving core in the ACC, maybe. Uh, so I like, I like their passing game. I don't love their offensive line. I think their running game is going to suffer uh, a little bit without uh, Naheem Hines, who's with the Colts now. I think uh, I think he's a he was a difference maker for them. Um, and then on defense, I I just think a program like NC State, which yes, they they did recruit very well, um, and I think that they are a little bit underrated in terms of the level of talent that they have. I mean, they had a lot of guys drafted uh, last season into the NFL, and I, I just I don't see the ability for them to uh, withstand that kind of personnel loss and that kind of star power loss uh, along the front defensive line uh, and in the linebacking position. So they return basically two starters in the secondary and nobody in that front six, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure that they're going to be able to withstand that, and I don't think that the offense is going to be able to make up for that loss. Uh, the schedule is a little bit better than what it was a season ago, but still, even with uh, with all that talent that they had, they still only won eight games in the regular season. Um, so I think you're going to see them regress some, and uh, I think something more like six and six or seven and five is more likely uh, maybe drop from you know third in the ACC Atlantic down to like a fifth. So I, it's not going to be a you know a drop off a cliff or anything, but uh, I do think they lose to West Virginia on September 15th, um, and then I, I could see them dropping a game where you might not expect them to. Maybe October 6th against Boston College, uh, which would coincide with my sleeper and bus picks, but. Uh, like I said, I don't expect to drop off the cliff, but a little bit of regression from what they had last year, uh, which I know Wolfpack fans would probably be disappointed in uh, when you bring back Finley as a senior, uh, who I think is like 24 years old now, uh, and then um, your your wide receivers that they have. I think they'd probably be kind of disappointed with seven wins. So 
I think that would probably qualify as a bust for them. Yeah, yeah, I have maybe a little too much faith in them, but I I really like Ryan Finley and these okay. receivers, and the yeah. game is geared towards off. Yeah, it's geared towards geared towards offense and, and all that stuff. I and mean, they're always good for for an upset or two. All right, division winners. Who do you got? Huh? Coastal uh, went with Miami. Mainly, I, I wanted to go with Virginia Tech, but they've had so many personnel issues. Uh, here in the past couple of months, it's been a rough offseason for them. Uh, their expected two deep is going to look somewhat different than what uh, what it did about two months ago. And, uh, you know, while their their quarterback, uh, Josh Jackson, is going to be eligible, that's good for them. Uh, they've had some other personnel losses. and uh, So I had to go with Miami there. Uh, I, I really don't see any other option in that division. I don't think Miami's going to be quite as good as uh, what some publications are touting them as. I know Athlon had them in the top ten pretty comfortably, and I don't, I don't see that. But uh, did pick them to win the Coastal uh, and get shellacked by Clemson, uh, my Atlantic champ. Yeah, I had the same, same two teams, which is, yeah, yeah. I'll go off on a tangent here. You know, as as wild and crazy as college football is, it's becoming the same teams over and over again, Clemson, Alabama, and the bit. playoffs. Yeah, and, and, and it's getting kind of, I want to say boring, but it's like time for some fresh blood. Um, but, yeah, I think Miami is just has too many athletes not to get out of that. While, while, uh, while you know, the, their schedule is pretty, pretty decent. If they could get past LSU, which would, we'll talk about LSU, uh, in the next segment, uh, but Savannah State at Toledo and FIU round out their non-conference schedule. You get North Carolina at home on a Thursday night, Florida State's at home at Virginia, at Boston College, um, and then Duke at Georgia Tech, at Virginia Tech, at Pittsburgh. So you miss Clemson, uh, North Carolina State. You miss a lot of those guys out of the out of the Atlantic um, that – would throw a wrench in their their spokes, and um, I, I they they take care of LSU um, in Arlington, and uh, maybe maybe it comes down to that Florida State game uh, and probably that Virginia Tech game as well, uh, but we'll yeah. see. You know, it, it's they have a good bye week too in the middle of the year, October twentieth. It's and Clemson is, I mean, they're Clemson. They're they're loaded, and you know, unless they trip themselves up or somebody gets hurt, uh, they they should be uh, representing uh, the Atlantic the Atlantic division. All right, on to the SEC. This segment just means more, TJ, because it is the SEC. Um, yes, just ask them. Yep, it just means more. Um, let's see. Let's start with most interesting team. I uh, I actually am going to take a two-parter. I think LSU is an interesting team, uh, and, and not for the yeah. right reasons. And I think Mississippi State, no. uh, and it's an interesting to just, you know they, they're bringing in Joe Moorhead. They have a lot of uh, returners on offense, uh, and, and could make some noise in the West. But LSU, you know, where the heck does LSU go this year um, if they don't succeed? Uh, you know the. The Ed Ogeron hiring uh, was questionable at best. Uh, 
they lose a lot off of the team from last year that did not perform all that well, uh, even though they went uh, nine and four with a bowl. With, uh, well, they lost um, to Notre Dame in the bowl game, but you know it, it was a nine-win team. But they you lose, you get smoked by Alabama 24-10. Uh, you get smoked by Mississippi State, 37-7. They lost to Troy, um, and then they lose to Notre Dame in the bowl game to go 9-4. So they're bringing in Joe Burrow from Ohio State. How he does probably sets the tone for the year. If he struggles, LSU is going to have a hard time. They lose Darius Geis um, from last year. They lose their top four rushers, and that's including Danny Etling, um, and uh, they, they bring back Miles Brennan. They lose their top three receivers as well, uh, and then they lose, seven, I think, six out of their top nine uh, tacklers from a year ago. So there's going to be a lot of turnover. We'll see how Ed Ogeron is going to do recruiting-wise, how his players that he recruited do, but where do you go? This is the guy that LSU apparently wanted. They gave a big contract to they bid it against themselves and if this team yeah. goes if this team goes seven and five or eight and four or six and six or whatever they're gonna have a mess on their hands i mean lsu and the louisiana uh state education department they're already basically broke uh and where do they go so they got miami to start the season in arlington southeast louisiana they have to go to auburn um, then they get Louisiana Tech, Mississippi. They have to go to Florida. They have to go to Texas A&M to close out the year. I mean, they're looking at the schedule. You can win four losses, Miami, Auburn, Florida, Alabama. And then you could even probably throw in a couple more with Texas A&M and, and Georgia at home. So if there's like six if you're – really, really pessimistic about LSU. There are six games that they're probably probably dogged in. Um, you know, Miami yeah. at Auburn, at Florida, Georgia at home, which I think they'll be a home underdog, Alabama at home, which they'll be a home underdog, and at Texas a To me, it's sure, I, I, I like LSU. I they were my first college football team that I really, really loved. But, man, where where the heck did they go um, after Ed Ogeron? And do they have the guts to fire him? Do they have the, the, the money to fire him um, and all that stuff? So it seems like LSU's run in the West is coming to an end, uh, if it hasn't already. And that's why they're my one of my most interesting teams. And then to go on to Mississippi State, um, bring in mm-hmm. Joe Moore who really turned around the Penn State offense uh, and really did wonders with um, with, with quarterback there, Saquon Barkley, and that offense. They have a senior quarterback, senior running back, upperclassmen all over the field on offense, bring back most of their defense uh, as well. Their schedule is, is pretty – pretty favorable for being in the SEC West. Got Stephen F. Austin at Kansas State, Louisiana at home, at Kentucky, Florida at home, Auburn at home, 
and then you have to travel at LSU and at Alabama and then the Egg Bowl uh, Thanksgiving night at Mississippi. This is as a transition year for Mississippi State, which is a school that traditionally in these transition years slips, can have a pretty good year. And that's why I put them with LSU as my one of my most interesting teams in the SEC because they seem to be on two different paths. If Mississippi State gets through the year with eight or nine wins, they can really take off in recruiting. LSU struggles to six, maybe seven wins. They're probably looking at a rebuilding job. Uh, that all makes sense. I agree with it. Really love Nick Fitzgerald. I hope uh, that he's able to be back to 100% after that gruesome injury he suffered last season. It certainly sounds like he is, uh, and that's great because he's a perfect fit for what Joe Moorhead wants to do. And his play calling at Penn State, I thought, was fantastic. I really enjoyed I don't like Penn State at all, uh, but just, you know, in spite of that, I loved watching Penn State on offense. I thought that they were uh, really innovative and used their pieces really well. Uh, and I have a ton of faith that Joe Moorhead's going to do the same now as the head coach of Mississippi State. I thought it was a good hire that made a lot of sense for them. Um, you know, it, the X's and O's part made a ton of sense. Can he recruit uh, in that conference? We'll find out. Uh, but I, I think they're in line for a big season. You mentioned their schedule. Uh, really like uh, their personnel. Offensively, Eris Williams is a really good running back, underrated part of what they do. Kylan Hill's a good backup line, is returning everybody but their left tackle and the guy they're plugging in there. They've got a lot of faith in. Um, and then I, I just trust Dick Fitzgerald to figure out what he needs to do uh, in the big moment. And um, on defense, the defensive line is probably second or third best in the conference. Uh, Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons are the bookends there. Good secondary. Uh, Not a lot of questions for Mississippi State. And for me, if your question mark is, well, can they transition under Joe Moorhead, I I just think Joe Moorhead's a good coach, so I'd say yes. Uh, And I think Mississippi State is in line for a really good season. Yeah, and with them – you know, being in the West, you're not going to recruit as well as, or, you know, right. recruit as well as LSU, Alabama, Auburn. You're going to have to find your diamonds in the rough and, and develop them uh, as best as you can. I think Joe Moorhead has, has shown at Penn State, he's done that on offense. So, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of intrigue there. All right. Best non-conference game. Again, Slim yep. Pickens. Um, I went, I had Mizzou at Purdue with a question mark, but um, Auburn at Washington uh, is probably the marquee game. Uh, It's in Atlanta. It's one of those kickoff classic, Chick-fil-A kickoff classics. Um, So it's two probably top 10, top 15 teams um, Mm -hmm. going at it to open the season. That's my most – uh, or best round conference game. If you like points, you probably want to watch uh, Missouri at Purdue. Again, we talked about Purdue last segment with their non-conference against Boston College. They they have scared, they have a difficult uh, skill this year at Purdue. Yeah. They also have yeah. Mizzou coming in, uh, who is a solid team. Purdue handled them well last year. I think it's thirty-five nothing or forty-seven uh, the year before. But Auburn. Auburn-Washington, uh, the non-conference uh, game I would have circled. 
Yep, that's what I chose as well. Um, I mean, for me, it's a really, really big game for the Pac-12. They need that one. They need Washington to win that game. Uh, Washington, I think, is a potential playoff team. We'll get to our playoff picks at some point, uh, so no need to give that away. But Washington certainly has those aspirations, as does Auburn. And, uh, you know, a loss in week one puts you in the hole. And for the Pac-12, they need that one to show, hey, we can compete at this level. Um, so, I, you know, Auburn, more or less, it's a home game for them, uh, whereas Washington coming across the country. And uh, I'll get into Auburn a little bit later. But, you know, that's a game that uh, they're going to need to get, given some of the road trips they've got. So that one's very interesting. Uh, and I went with that as my best non-con game as well. Certainly the one of the highlights of week one. Yeah, definitely, and and I think if we went most overrated game, it'd probably be Alabama-Louisville. Um, I don't I'm not that, interested in that at all. No. What uh, Yeah, it's that's take Alabama and the points and, and take that to the bank. Um, anyway, best uniform, uh, I will always say it again and again, it's LSU, the white uniforms at home yep. with the purple and gold trim, with yellow helmets. Even their white helmets are awesome. It's just that's the traditional look. That's the best look in college football to me. Uh, it can't get better than that. I do not have an argument. I think that LSU is the answer. Uh, really, I, I don't think that they have a bad uniform in their set, um, and they're they're all really good. So I, I won't argue that. I knew you were going to say that, though. So I went with a little bit of a different answer and picked Georgia. Um, I think All they right. have a really good color combination. Love their uh, love their shade of red. Uh, their helmet is really good. It's got that classic G. Uh, they don't overdo it. Even when they go with the black alternate, those look great as well. Um, so I, I went with the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, they have the gray, but they don't overdo it. You know, they throw it in here. Uh, you know, that's part of their look. Always has been, and I think that it goes well with the the red and the black. It looks really good. So. Uh, went with the Georgia Bulldogs, but LSU um, is the answer. But Georgia's got some mighty fine ones as well. Yep. And now, uh, best game day atmosphere. I think we went. I went with Ole Miss last year. Um, huh? LSU. I've done that. I'm gonna go Stark Vegas this year. Uh, it's a place with the cowbells, barbecue. It's just one of those places that you, you got to go to. It's not the biggest of schools and, and all that thing. It's not like going to Alabama or LSU or Florida. It's a stadium hold, I think, you know, 61,000, so it's a more intimate setting. Uh, but I would go start Vegas. you got some good games coming in there, too. Florida, Auburn, Arkansas mm-hmm. comes in, and uh, you, you could – really get the uh, party going outside Davis Wade Stadium. Yep, that's uh, that's a really good choice, and it it looks like a ton of fun to be there for a big game, uh, which could be said for just about any SEC school, really. Uh, I I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a bad SEC atmosphere necessarily. I would have no interest in going to Kentucky because it's Kentucky. So um, outside of that, it does not seem like there's many bad atmospheres there. Uh, but I went with Georgia. I think it would be a really uh, cool atmosphere in between the hedges, Sanford Stadium. 
And uh, I feel like they're really feeling themselves right now. they got a ton of confidence in that program, and why not? Uh, certainly, Kirby Smart has it rolling. They're recruiting uh, as well as anyone in the country. Um, not a ton of great home games this season. I mean, uh, but if I'm choosing one, I'd say November 10th against uh, the Auburn Tigers uh, would be the one to go with. And um, I, But I'd be interested in going to there. I'm kind of a closet Georgia fan. Uh, so mainly just because of uh, old videos of, of Herschel Walker and uh, just seeing those classic uniforms with, with Herschel Walker rambling around out there. Uh, and then I kind of like the, for whatever reason, I like their, their teams with uh, Matt Stafford and then with David Green as well. Uh, so I went with Georgia, but uh, again, I, I think just about anybody would be a good choice for the SEC. Yeah, and another reason why to go to Mississippi State, uh, you can tailgate year-round. Their, their baseball team is just as uh, famous for their tailgate yeah. as the football tailgate. Yeah. And if you watch the SEC story for where they had Rafael Palmeira, those baseball teams, they, they had their barbecues and ribs out. In um, so I know we have a couple IU baseball fans who tailgate all the time in, in Bloomington. Um if you wanted to do a tailgate, maybe find one of those fall ball double headers and tailgate for the football game, go to the football game and watch baseball and you know, vice versa. So uh, Mississippi State, you could get them. You could get it all year round uh, via the tailgate. And uh, let's do sleeper teams, TJ. Yeah, I, I feel like I kind of tipped my hand a little earlier, but I'm going to go Mississippi State. Uh, I don't need to continue to go on about them. I'm kind of all in on the Bulldogs, and uh, I will continue to uh, tout them. I'm going to have some money backing them this season as well. Uh, I, I I do like their schedule. I mean, they they have home games against Florida, Auburn, Texas A&M, uh, Arkansas, and then their road games in the SEC – uh, they drew Kentucky and uh, uh, who's their other East opponent? Oh, Florida. Yeah, so Florida. Um, so and their, their the draw return is really of Dan Mullen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got the Dan Mullen coming back. Um, I, I kind of think this team has a chance, and I am going to pick them to finish second in the West. Um, behind, obviously, them, I guess, no need to you know, save that for any later. They're my pick to win the West. Shocker. Uh, but I, I do think Mississippi State finishes uh, second in the West, and for them, uh, that would be a terrific first year for Joe Moorhead. Uh, I don't think anybody's thinking this team's going to be bad or anything like that, so it's not going out on a big limb uh, to have them as a sleeper, but uh, I think that they, you know, meet those high expectations and maybe exceed them a little bit by jumping over Auburn. Yeah, I, I pick Mississippi State as well. Uh, hopefully they have a uh, place carved out for us at Starkville uh, for giving them some love uh, yeah. uh, on this show. I, I think they, they need to have the, the Hoosier huddle, whatever, not memorial because we're not dead, but, you know, honorary tailgate down there for one of the games uh, and maybe get Only if this works. Only if this works. If they go on 12, they're going to – build a statue to us and then burn it down. Um, We're in trouble. But I, I like Mississippi State as well. Um, 
you know, there's a, there's a lot of issues going outside of Alabama and, and maybe yeah, Auburn. Exactly. The rest, there's a lot of questions. Arkansas is a new coach. Ole Miss is, you know, has whatever Ole Miss has going on off the field and stuff. And they have their quarterback transferred and all of those things. They did beat Mississippi State last year, but they're coming off a 6-6 game. They're not going to LSU has issues going on as well. Texas new coach, new system. Um, and Mississippi State is is right there to with the top three finish in the West. Um, and who knows? Maybe Alabama gets tripped up by somebody else. Uh, and you know who knows? But the, their schedule is favorable. Uh, they, they've got. Nick Fitzgerald back. As long as he stays healthy, I think they're they're pretty good for getting to one of these higher end bowl games and and kicking off the the Moorhead era uh, pretty quickly um, and pretty well. All right, division yep. winners, and I'm gonna say here we go again. Uh, you tipped your hand at Bama. I'm gonna go Bama because it'd be yep. stupid not to go Bama. How about in the yep. East? I would agree with that. Uh, again, uh, pretty obvious pick for me, Georgia. And uh, I think that you do see uh, the SEC needs to be careful that this does not turn into a uh, just a, a two-horse show every year. Um, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case because the other schools uh, do invest so heavily in football as well. So I don't think you'll be able to have Georgia run away and hide. Uh, but it kind of looks like that right now, uh, Alabama and Georgia. Um, and one thing I did want to mention, I know a lot of Auburn, uh, a lot of Auburn backers, and that's going to be a good team. But I mean, listen to this schedule. Uh, they've got Washington and then their road games at Mississippi state at Ole Miss at Georgia at Alabama. Uh, that's brutal. I mean, that is really, really tough. Um, so I, I don't see them as legitimate contenders to Alabama uh, in the West, I, I really think that the Crimson Tide are going to uh, be able to – no one wins the division easily in major college football, but I think they're going to be able to uh, to walk away with the SEC West. Uh, and then in the East, I'm going to go Georgia. And, again, I, I don't really see Georgia's schedule presenting them with any issues. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I'm going to reiterate it's – getting kind of boring that you could pencil in the same teams over and over again. It's becoming less, there's less parity to me among the top teams. I mean, there's a clear top tier, tier two and tier three. And, and those top tier teams haven't been cycling through as much as, uh, as they have been in the right. past. It's definitely something we're going to talk about, uh, you know, as we go on with these previews, but seeing Alabama and Georgia every year is, you know, just pencil them into the playoff. Even if they lose a game, you could pencil Alabama into the playoff. You could pencil, you know, whoever wins the SEC, whoever wins Big Ten usually, uh, and whoever else, uh, you know, Pac-12 and all that stuff. So, you know, hopefully this is one of those years where the upsets happen and maybe somebody rises and brings back the powers uh, like Alabama back down to earth a little bit. But, you know, hopefully it's everything is cyclical, um, like they say, but it's 
the way college football is going, the way recruiting is going, the way that, you know, finances are going, the rich are getting richer and the poor are, they're still getting richer, but they're not getting as rich. And take, for example, um, you know, there are things that you can do that could get them, you know, make them look like a football program that knows what they're doing. Uh, you know, I was looking at tickets today for, for my mom to come out for homecoming and to go to a game against Iowa, $70 a seat, which I think is absolutely mm-hmm. – they have trouble enough selling out their stadium that you're going to price out all these people uh, at $70 a seat um, and all that stuff. And then they're bringing in the, the – this catered tailgate with TVs and all that stuff. And, you know, it's sure I is going to get an infusion, but there, there are things that the great teams do that IU can do that takes nothing more than an idea man to spread up there um, and, and maybe execute it. I, you know, I is never going to out recruit Alabama. They're not going to out, recruit Ohio State, what they have to do is, is do what they're doing. I think Indiana is doing a great job recruiting these, you know, these three, four-star kids who come in with a chip on their shoulder, uh, getting speed out of Florida, and then develop them, and they become NFL prospects and, and things like that. And that's where I use, you know, you you got to get coaches. And I think they've done a pretty good job under Allen and Kevin Wilson of developing the talent that they get. They're not going to get the raw talent that Alabama and Ohio State, Michigan gets. But there are also little things off the field that they could do um, in terms of pricing tickets, selling alcohol in the stadium, uh, making football-only facilities, uh, things like that. Uh, scheduling, like there's no reason IU should be down FIU to open this this season. And I'm not making excuses for Indiana already. They should win this game, uh, and it should be no problem. But this game should be in Bloomington, especially after what happened last year when they canceled the game in Bloomington and IU held the ball in their court. They couldn't get it figured out to where they could flip-flop the game in 2025 at FIU to, to play a, a – Conference uh, USA opponent at home. That that those are the little things that that get me angry. That all these schools um, that Indiana needs to figure out to, to get in the game uh, with these big time schools a little bit more. Um, you know, you would have had eight home games, and if you win six of that, if you win whatever two thirds of your home games, then or three fourths of your home games, uh, you're in a bowl. Uh, so that's my little rant about IU, but. You know, ACC, SEC, it's, it looks like more of the same TJ games that jump mm-hmm. off. It's not as good as the slate as the last couple of years. But Auburn-Washington is a good game. And I think um, Florida State-Notre Dame uh, and, and Michigan-Notre Dame, if we're counting Notre Dame as an SEC or non-ACC right. or non-ACC school, uh, those are th- those are – games, you know, on that first Saturday, uh, I, I'd love to watch. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, don't disagree with anything you're saying. I think it's, uh, you know, who's going to be that uh, kind of that team that's in that second tier that, um, you know, knocks off a couple of the Blue Bloods and gets themselves into uh, elite conversation. Um, I don't know. You know, if you if you saw it coming, 
and it was easy to predict, and obviously that wouldn't be a surprise. But uh, I I hope that there's someone that can break through so you don't have, um, you know, a playoff of, you know, Big Ten East champ, Alabama, Georgia, and, you know, insert fourth team that is also a traditional power that you're just not sure which one it's going to be. Probably Clemson um, would be the, the obvious answer. So, um I don't know. I mean, the, the quality of the games in the playoff has been tremendous, so I'm not complaining uh, as long as they keep delivering that. But, yeah, it would be nice to see, uh, you know, maybe 10 teams in the conversation, legitimate conversation for the playoff, as opposed to five or six. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. As of now, it, it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case. So that's up to – and it's not like Alabama or Clemson or – uh, Georgia need to apologize. I mean, it, it's up to the other teams to uh, step up and, and catch them as opposed to those teams coming back to the pack. Yeah, it, and it is. It's totally up to those those teams to do the little things, uh, maybe get an extra couple hundred thousand dollars here or there, hire better, you know, pay your assistants a little bit more, increase the recruiting right. budget, update the stadium, uh, upgrade you know, facilities around the stadium, things like that, um, to where you're you're not on the same playing field, but you're on a more even playing field where recruits come in and don't go, oh, well, okay. Or, you know, I'll go you don't here have, if Alabama doesn't offer. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's those things. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And I, I, I'm super excited for the season. Hmm and for us yep. to kick off. But anyway, that does it for our preview show tonight. Next week is Pac-12 and Big 12. So we touched the, the middle and the western of the country, although West Virginia is in the Big 12 and they're on yeah. the east coast. And, yeah. yeah. We'll go all over the place. So grab your frequent flyer miles card and uh, we'll we'll touch it all. Um, so anyway, DJ, thanks for joining me uh, tonight on the podcast. Uh, that does it for us. I keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com. We have our daily countdown to kick off. Uh, today's uh, countdown pro- profile with Nick Ramaka, walk-on offensive lineman who could be in the mix for a backup spot uh, along that offensive line. And uh, just, you know, we have all the news on recruiting, uh, opponent breakdowns, mm-hmm. opponent unit ranking breakdowns, uh, and all that stuff to get you ready for the 2018 season. Anyway, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, And that does it for tonight's show. Thanks everybody. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. 
match with Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 